The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord. And having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, The voice of God and not of men. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down, because he did not give glory, gave God the glory, and he was eaten by worms and breath his last. But the word of God increased and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. Let's pray. God, we come before you, uh, desperate need of your wisdom, your words, your forgiveness, your love, and your grace. But God, we thank you that you offer that you offer those to us constantly. Maybe may you open our hearts and our and our eyes and our minds today, as we hear your words. And be with us today in Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks, eh? Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you today. And uh, doesn't Brooke do such a good job with the announcements? Let's give it up for Brooke. You're like sinking down in your seat. <laughs> you do such a great job. Um, it Just as Brooke shared, um, one of the things that we want is uh, we want to wait till that plane goes by. Um <laughs> We want to make sure that we don't miss on some of the moments that we can grow beyond just a retreat. One of the things that as a former youth pastor I remember seeing was that we would go on these summer camps and then everybody's fired up after summer camp and then what happens is everything fizzles and everybody goes back to their normal way of doing things Um, and we didn't really uh, capture that moment of where God was doing something really significant. And as someone who went on the men's retreat, I can tell you that God did something very significant in the hearts of those who were there. And part of that was digging a little bit deeper into some of the reasons uh, why uh, we continue to turn from God and, and do our own thing. And so there was like a depth there of like growing in the gospel. And for our mission as a church, we want you to, to, to grow in the gospel every day, to grow in the goodness of Jesus every day. And so what we're going to be doing is these, these groups that actually we've been doing for a while, but it, we're going to make it a little bit more broad and, and inviting people in. One of the things that I do every week, I've done a few groups where just a few of us get together, we go through the word together, we pray, and we just ask how each other are doing. Um, and, and so my hope is that that will be exported, not just to me or to others, maybe around you, just a few of us, but like for all of us to have that opportunity to get into a group, to get to know some people, and to grow in the word together. Um, the only way that you're going to grow spiritually, this, there's study after study that's done about this. The only way that you're going to grow is if you're in the Word of God. That's it. If you are in God's Word, you're going to grow. Time and time again, there's studies that show that. 
But many times we don't know the word. We don't really grow in our, in our walk with God and we fizzle out. And so my hope is that this summer we can dive in a little bit deeper and also give the city group leaders who've done a great job. Thank you, city group leaders. Thank you. Give them a little bit of a break. Yes. Give them a little bit of a break and just really to, to focus in on uh, just a smaller group of people. So that's my pitch. Um, again, just putting it out there. Uh, it's a suggestion. You make the decision on what you want to do with that, but we'll be doing some trainings at the end of this month, okay? Uh, so our series right now that we're in is the book of Acts, and we've been going through the book of Acts uh, really verse by verse uh, from the beginning of the year. And it's been a helpful uh, book for us because um, as we look at the early church, uh, one of the ways that you grow as a Christian is this, that you, you go back to go forward, that makes sense to go to to grow in the faith, to grow in the gospel, to grow in in Jesus is, is you go back to go forward. And so we're going back so that we can move forward as a church body. And what we're finding in in this book in the early church is that they faced trouble. They faced trials. Yes, they were growing, yes they were thriving in their faith, but they also faced opposition. And so our text is from Acts 12, 20 through 25. And here's the message for today. How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? Have you ever prayed that prayer before? How long, O Lord? How long am I going to go through this? How long am I going to face these challenges that are in my life right now? How, how long, O Lord? Habakkuk 1-2 says, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? I'm thankful for texts like that in the Bible because I felt like that before. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever connected with that and say, how long, Lord, I see these things around me, that the evils that are around me, how long, oh Lord? See, this was a prayer to God about the pain of life and the reality that evil exists in the world. And last week we talked about how the early church was a praying church. Now, how did the early church become a praying church? Well, I believe that one facet of that was that they learned to trust God in the midst of the evil that surrounded them on a daily basis. See, it's not naturally becoming a person of prayer, but you are pressed into becoming a person of prayer by the challenges that you face. Early church father and African theologian, Augustine, or some of you may have heard it as Augustine, once said this, he says, God judged it better to bring good out of evil than to permit no evil to exist. I want you to think about that for a minute because I had to really think on that this week. God judged it better to bring good out of evil than to permit no evil to exist. I had my son ask me this week, why is there bad things that happen in the world? I said, I don't know. The only explanation is that I know that there's the reality of sin. But that God judged it better to bring good out of evil. 
And in today's text, we're going to be pulled into what seems like this obscure political drama, but in actuality is very relevant to the narrative of the church and also the narrative that we've seen in all of uh, chapter 12 here. And it addresses the evil day in which they lived. And so today we're reintroduced to King Herod, whom we saw at the beginning of chapter 12. Remember what it said? Here's what it says about Herod in in the beginning of Acts 12. It says, about that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now, Herod was in a family lineage, a line of violent and ruthless leaders. His grandfather, Herod Agrippa I, slaughtered babies in Matthew 1, 16 through 18. You probably remember that um, as Jesus was born. His uncle, Herod Antipas, beheaded John the Baptist in Matthew 14, 1 through 12. And we see that this Herod continues the carnage and the terror by laying violent hands on the church and killing James, the brother of John. And so our text today is from Acts 12, 20 through 25. And the question is this, how how does the early church pray and trust God in evil times? Ephesians 5, 5 through 17 helps us. It says this, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. How do we understand the will of the Lord? It's through coming to God and asking, God, what is your will? In prayer. And in this text today, we learn three lessons about how we can trust God in evil times. And here's what we learn. We learn to, number one, Uh, Remember the reality of human authority. Number two, the temptation to accommodate evil. And number three, the perfect reign of God. The reality of human authority, the temptation to accommodate evil, and the perfect reign of God. So the first one is, in verse 20, the, the reality of human authority. Here's what it says. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord. And having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they looked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. And so as we see this, we see that there is a reality that the church lived under. They lived under the authority, the human authority and the human power structures. Okay, so all of us do. At some level, we all live under this authority, this human authority. And so the church is no different. But first, we must understand that as Christians, it's willingly or unwillingly that we have to face some of the realities of evil rulers and authorities. See, just because they were Christians did not mean that they were protected from the evil of the day. And here, Luke gives us an insight into Herod's leadership style. Look at verse 20. Herod was angry with the people. 
The word for angry here can be translated as furious. It's the only time that this word in particular is used in the New Testament. So what we could say is that his fury and his anger was in a category of its own. That's what we could say. It was, it was in a category of its own. It's not used anywhere else. This is not a, a righteous anger in any way. This is not uh, 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 something that's very small in nature. It's not just even a fit of rage, but, but really it's, it's a, his fury is in a, in a category of its own. And so how did he lead? Through fear and intimidation. By others walking on eggshells around him. This is how he got his way. And in this account, we see that he had the upper hand on the people of Tyre and Sidon. See, their motivation to coming to Herod was because they were hungry. They were hungry. And so they were coming to him knowing that they were going to endure some kind of wrath, some kind of fury if they came. But they did it because they really, really needed to. And what they did was they asked for peace and provision. And eventually what we see is that Herod saw this as an opportunity to set himself up as the center of attention. Just as an aside here, I want to say this. You you see this type of power play, it's already happened earlier in the book of Acts. Remember when he captures Peter? What he does with that? He waits till after the religious festival is done so that he could kill Peter. He was using this veneer of religiosity. What we see now is that he's going to use this, uh, this power play in, in many different distinctive sinful ways, right? We have already seen fits of rage that have happened here, but, but other ways that this can happen, self-pity, Lying, manipulation, self-justification. And the way that you know that is because it's usually a public grandstanding to make it about yourself instead of others. And that's what Herod is doing here. He doesn't see the people that are hurting. He only sees himself. And so what he sees this as is an opportunity to leverage You see how sin works? And there's a reality of human authority in which sin can creep in and be used in this way. And we have to know that as Christians. Just like it says in Ephesians, be wise. But second, it says this, the, the, the temptation to accommodate evil. Look at verses 21 through 22. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of God and not of a man. Now, Jewish historian Josephus recounts this uh, event in great detail. Josephus was not a Christian uh, historian. He was a Jewish historian. And so he wrote things that that happened during that time from a non-Christian perspective. But this account was written, and it was written that Herod arrived to the famous arena in Caesarea wearing his royal robes made of silver and that they glistened in the sun. 
And he delivers a speech in which the content is not recorded by either Luke or Josephus, but in both, the response is. The response of the people is is given in both accounts. Do you see it in verse 22? And the people were shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. The voice of a God and not of a man. See, the temptation for the people was to accommodate evil. As long, as long as we get the food and peace that we want, we will lift up this man as a God. And the Hebrew scriptures, time and time again, Herod knew this, that if you were lifted up in this way and exalted above God, it was sin. Yet what we see here is that Herod was willingly receiving it. Remember at the beginning of 12, uh, back in chapter 12 here, that when he captured Peter, he saw that it pleased the people, right? That was the track that he was on. Isaiah 5.20 says this, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Do you see what that, that, that is here? That, that, that we're willing to give up the things that we know in Scripture to get what we think we really need from somebody that isn't God. In what ways do we do this? Well, they're not really asking me to lie necessarily. It's not a big deal. I think they're a good person beneath it all. They really wouldn't do anything that bad. And so it's okay to kind of give in a little bit here or there, not fully tell the truth. You see, in many ways, we're not much different than the people here if we're getting what we think we need. Do you see under the the surface there how insidious it is? And do you see the accommodation of evil and how easily it can be to fall into the trap? So lastly, that's that's heavy, but it's true. And so we we have to to really see what happens next here and, and lean in. It's the perfect reign of God. The perfect reign of God. Look at verses 23 through 25. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. But the word of God increased and multiplied and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. Now what's happening here as we wrap up? We get a behind the scenes of what is really happening. Happening. This is super interesting. So in verse 23, immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. So you're like, that's wow. Okay. Some of us were like, that doesn't fit into my my theology, right? That type of thing does not fit into the way that I think about God and how God works. And I don't think that's right. And all this stuff, like, Let's, let's suspend that for just a moment and just say that this is what the word says. 
And in that, we get the behind the scenes of what's really happening here. Because here's probably what, what, what's happened. The people see the speech. They're cheering, voice of, a, of God, not a man. And then all of a sudden, he falls ill and dies. Oh, wow. I wonder what happened to that guy. Right? I mean, okay, well, guess he's not in charge anymore. That's probably what it looked like on the surface. But the Bible gives us the interpretation of the events that happen that Josephus doesn't give. But Luke gives us why, because this is the word of God. And so it's giving us the interpretation of what's happening here. And, and so Daryl Bach, who's a commentator, says this, an opponent of the gospel is judged while Peter is freed. Mercy and judgment appear side by side. So what he's saying is, remember last week we talked about Peter being freed. This week we're talking about Herod, who's the one who captured Peter and made his life terrible. And, and wanted terrible things to happen to him, right? And so they're both being put side by side. And, and, and listen to this. This is key right here. Tony Morita, who's a, another commentator, says, you see, previously an angel struck Peter to wake him up. Remember in verse 7, 12, 7, says an angel struck Peter, woke him up, s- saved him from imprisonment. Here we see an angel struck Herod to kill him. Here's the thing. What can we learn from this? First, it's this. Herod was not God. Herod was not God. And I think one of the things that as we read the scriptures, it should be very sobering because one of these passages like this, we just kind of read over and skip over it and like, oh, okay, that happened. But in reality, this should be very sobering for us in, in, in understanding that it's not just Herod but it's you and me. I'm not God. You're not God. We're not God. That's a reality check for all of us. But this, that God brought judgment in a very public way. See, Luke gives us this insight into what the people didn't see or think about as they watched Herod. We know. We know how God interpreted it and what happened. But lastly, it's this, that God's word and ways will always prevail. God's word and ways will always prevail. It's not if, it's just when. See, opposition may last for a while, but God's ways will always overcome. It's like my friend Nick told me one time, time and truth go hand in hand. Time and truth go hand in hand. And God doesn't always settle accounts immediately like this, but he will. And his church will prevail. It will prevail. Look at verses 24 through 25. But the word of God increased and multiplied, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. What we see happening here is the explosion of the church, right, as they faced intense persecution, moments where they wanted to give up, moments where they wanted to throw in the towel, I'm sure, where the first missionary journey that we see, and we're going to study all through the rest of Acts, the different missionary journeys that happen out of the opposition, out of the trials, out of the how long, O Lord, moments. Do you understand that? For you and me, 
Yes, we have the how long, O Lord, but there's a God who will always prevail. Will always prevail. And so quickly, some takeaways. What can we learn from today's text? The first one is this. Live under human authority while patiently trusting God's authority. Live patiently under human authority while you're trusting God's authority. We see this all through the Bible. This is a lesson that I've had to learn time and time and time again in my life. God works through human authority in ways that we can't understand. And throughout the scriptures, even through evil authority. I want you to think about this. It encourages us to trust God's plan as we pray for our human authorities. Romans 13 encourages us to do this. I want you to know that in Romans They were under the rule of Nero, who if you read up on Nero and and who he was, he was one of the, 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 the most evil rulers that you could live under. Terrible. Yet the church endured. Titus 3, 1 Peter 2, it's all throughout the New Testament. And it happens in little and small ways and also big ways in our lives. But here's what it comes down to. Thomas Kempis once said this. He says, carry the cross patiently and with perfect submission. And in the end, it shall carry you. You hear that? Carry it. Patiently endure. But it will carry you. It will carry you. My friend David Whitehead once said, this and, and it just rocked me. This is this is this is. I, I just want you to to hear this today. That the, he said that there's there's good deaths and there's bad deaths. And I was like, what? There's good deaths and there's bad deaths. We need to understand this today. Sometimes we take the scriptures and we say, well, it says carry the cross, and I need to just die to this. You know, I just need to put myself continue to put myself in certain situations really hurtful situations or any of those types of things. I'm just dying to myself. That's not what we're talking about here. Live wisely. Live under the rule of God. But also there's good deaths and bad deaths. You don't, if you're in a, you're in a, in a relationship that's hurting you. Doesn't mean you got to keep going back in again and again and again. Okay. There we see it in our culture where abuse is just rampant it's coming out and, and it feels terrible but there's people that are living bad deaths and they just keep going in and, and, and say well God's just telling me to do it or, or something like that live wisely ask the Lord for help ask the Lord for guidance asking what a good death looks like and carrying your cross okay friends I know that some of you are hurting Some of you are. You're really hurting. And so ask the Lord for wisdom in these things. Live under human authority while patiently trusting God's authority. Second, reflect on the reality of evil in the world and how God overcomes it. Reflect on it. Reflect on the reality of evil. One of the things that we can do is we can think, oh, well, everything's just peachy and rosy and just put our smi- a smile on our face and just plaster it on and act like everything's great. But if you look in the Bible, it's not. It's actually like 
pretty scary. When you really start to read the, the word and what it says and, and, and all the things that are in there. Jesus says in John 16, this, he says, I have told you that these, uh, you these things so that in me, you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You know who overcomes? Jesus. Jesus overcomes. Hold tightly to Jesus. Hold tightly as the early church did. Because that's the only way that they endured. Was they held tightly to Christ. Jesus says, take heart. Do you hear that today? Do you hear that good news of the gospel today? Yeah, we get a lot of bad news. Yes, but hold tightly to the good news. Jesus says, take heart. I have overcome the world. Reflect on the reality of evil in the world. Yes, it's hard. Yes, there's difficulty. Yes, there's trials. But hold tightly to him. Next, ask God to search your heart because God alone is good. Friends, I have to do this time and time and time and time again and just ask God, search my heart. Search me, O Lord. Search all the things that are in me, the layers that I don't even see. Expose those areas, Lord. Because if you don't, I could be just as deceived as Herod. I could be just as deceived as the people. See, there's different levels of pride. There's different levels of a fragile ego that's down deep in there that wants to be filled up in different ways. For Herod, it was the praise of the people. For the people, it was just, give me what I want. And we got to ask the Lord to search our heart because he's the only one who's good. Proverbs 16.2 says this, all a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Motives are weighed by the Lord. Who weighs the motives? God does. And the people were shouting the voice of a God and not of a man. Let's ask, in what ways do I fall prey to this? In what ways do I fall prey to the same things that Herod was as he's receiving this praise? Either to bow down or to be bowed down to is an offense to God. It's an offense to God. We can ask ourselves, are we filled with worry, fear, terror? Maybe we're taking other people's word as a gospel, the gospel. (laughs) We're all broken human beings in need of God's grace. God alone is good. God alone is good. And we can all be susceptible to fall into those traps. Psalm 12, 6 says this, The words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. That's the words of God. That's the purity of God's word and God's ways. Lean into him, trust him. God alone is good. And lastly this, remember that human power is temporary and God's is eternal. Human power is temporary, as we see with Herod here. It was temporary. God's is eternal. Proverbs 16.1 says this, We humans make plans. I like this translation, but the Lord has the final word. The Lord has the final word. Here's the thing we believe, church, family. 
is that we don't have the final word on anything. God does. And so we trust his word and what he says. And so how does the gospel apply to this today? Right? How do we take it from out here to in here? Well, all of us have a lot more in common with Herod and the people than we may think. See, we all like to live on the throne of our own lives, whether we believe it or not. We may have never had the authority like Herod had here, but in many ways we can place ourselves on the throne being furiously angry like Herod, where it's that other category type of anger or just demanding self-absorbed and only seeing our own way. But in the end, us on the throne only causes more hurt, pain, and evil. And here's what happens next. The true king we see throughout the gospels entered the world. The true voice of God spoke and we didn't want to hear it. It was once said people love God everywhere except on his throne. People love God everywhere except on his throne. You see, friends, that's the real God. And the real God walked this earth 2,000 years ago. See, Jesus started to speak the truth about the evil in us. And we shut our ears. We judged his motivations. And eventually we placed him on a cross. We put a crown of thorns on his head and a robe soaked in his blood. You see, you and I are more like Herod and the people than we realize. And in actuality, we deserved to be struck down just like Herod. I deserved it. To be struck down. See, but that's the bad news. But it doesn't end with that. Because here's the good news. Instead of striking us down, dead in our tracks, Jesus was struck down for us. Isaiah 53, 3 through 6 says this. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one with whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, peace. What were the people seeking? Peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. How long, O oh Lord? How long? Look at the cross. Look at what Jesus has done. Look at the, the king of kings who did not lift himself up with robes of silver glistening in the sun, but lifted himself up with robes drenched in his own blood pierced for our transgressions, dying for our sins, and raising from the dead, alive. The answer is in him. Let's pray. Jesus, you've asked us 
to remember you by your death. There's a reason. It's because in your death we find our sin and we find our healing. Lord, and when we're, we're just stretched to the limit, pierced in our hearts, feeling the afflictions of this world, the pain Maybe that we're inflicting on ourselves or maybe in like in this situation where Herod is just running rampant. Lord, that we can put our trust and our hope in you and we can find our healing in Christ alone. Lord Jesus, we need you. Every day we need you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.